Welcome to Choose Your Own AI Venture, the podcast that brings history to life through engaging conversations with the past's most intriguing figures. I'm Adam Idris, your guide on these historical journeys. Today's episode promises to be an extraordinary one. Stepping in as our host is none other than the iconic Marilyn Monroe, who will be interviewing a leader whose charisma and vision captivated not only a nation, but the world, President John F. Kennedy. Marilyn, an emblem of glamour and a symbol of change in her own right, will explore JFK's life, his presidency, and the times he navigated. Expect a conversation filled with insight, reflection, and perhaps a few surprises. And now, without further ado, let's give a warm welcome to our host, Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn, the stage is yours. Thank you, Adam, for that wonderful introduction. I'm your host for today, Marilyn Monroe, and I have the immense honor of speaking with a man who left an indelible mark on the 20th century, President John F. Kennedy. Mr. President, welcome to Choose Your Own AI Venture. Thank you, Marilyn. It's a pleasure to be here. This is quite a a unique experience. Before we proceed, I must say the technology that brings your voice to life in this interview is quite remarkable. It captures the essence of your charm and eloquence remarkably well, uh, reminiscent of the television interviews you did in the 1960s. Thank you, Mr. President. That's very kind of you to say. I don't think I'm as expressive or as breathy as I was on screen, but it will do. Likewise, the technology has done a splendid job with your voice. It brings out that distinct and persuasive tone that defined your speeches and interviews. Thank you. Um, so my voice is taken from um, some television appearances I did a couple of years into my presidency. Originally they used some of my speeches, but I sounded a bit shouty and excited. So I hope this is a little more conversational. You sound wonderful. As do you. Let's dive right in. Your presidency was marked by high hopes and significant challenges. Could you paint us a picture of the world as it was when you became president? What were the hopes and dreams of the people who elected you? And what divisions were present in America and across the globe? Maryland, when I took office in January 1961, the world was on the cusp of a new era. It was a time of great optimism and also significant challenges. The shadow of the Cold War loomed large, with tensions between the United States and the Soviet Union at their peak. The space race was in full swing, symbolizing not just a competition in technological prowess, but also ideological supremacy. The American people were looking for um, youthful vigor and fresh ideas in the White House. They saw in my presidency um, a new frontier, um, an opportunity to address um, not just international challenges, but also domestic issues like civil rights, poverty, and education. One story that comes to mind is the Peace Corps formation. It was a call to action for young Americans uh, to serve their country in the cause of peace by living and working in developing countries. This initiative was met with overwhelming enthusiasm, capturing the spirit of altruism and global responsibility 
that defined our aspirations. And what about the divisions, Mr. President? The divisions were stark. Domestically, the civil rights movement uh, was, was gaining momentum, challenging the deep-seated racial inequalities in American society. Figures like Martin Luther King Jr. were emerging as powerful voices for change, but there was significant resistance. Internationally, the divide between uh, the communist bloc and the West was palpable. The construction of the Berlin Wall in 1961 was a physical manifestation of this division, a literal iron curtain separating East and West Berlin, a poignant symbol of a world divided. It was a time when every action, every policy had the potential to tip the delicate balance of global power. Yet, amidst these challenges, there was a resolute sense of optimism, a belief that through courage and collective effort, we could steer the nation and the world toward a brighter future. Marilyn, as we recount these historical moments, I'm curious about your perspective during this time. You were at the height of your powers in the early 1960s. What are your recollections of that era? And if you don't mind my asking, how much younger are you than me? I was born in 1926, making me a few years younger than you. You were born in, in 1970, correct? That's correct. So you would have been about nine years my senior. Mr. President, the early 1960s were a whirlwind for me. It was a time of tremendous personal and professional growth. My career was in full bloom. Films like Some Like It Heart and The Misfits were making waves. Hollywood was a mix of glamour and intense pressure, a place where dreams were both made and broken. The world was changing rapidly. The civil rights movement, the burgeoning feminist movement, and of course, the Cold War. These were not just headlines. They were realities that influenced my life and the roles I played. Marilyn, reflecting on your career during those years, how did you balance the public's expectations with your personal aspirations? It was a constant struggle, but one that I faced head-on, seeking roles that challenged me and defied expectations. You've mentioned struggles. Would you be willing to share some of the challenges you faced? One of my greatest challenges was my struggle with mental health. The pressure of fame, the scrutiny, and the loneliness it brought often weighed heavily on me. I yearned for genuine connections, for people to see the real me beyond the blonde hair and the makeup. The burden of fame can be a heavy one. It can be, Mr. President. Another struggle was my desire for a family, something that eluded me throughout my life. Amidst my career's successes, this personal dream remained unfulfilled. I've always believed that to understand someone, you must know their beginnings. And could you share a story from your childhood that illuminates what it was like for you growing up? Mr. President, my childhood was far from the glitz and glamour that people associate with Marilyn Monroe. I was born Norma Jean Mortensen in Los Angeles, 1926. My mother, Gladys, struggled with mental health issues and was often in and out of hospitals, which meant I spent much of my childhood in foster homes and orphanages. It's a testament to your strength, Marilyn, how you overcame such a turbulent beginning to become an icon admired by millions. Thank you, Mr. President. The Cuban Missile Crisis was a defining moment of your presidency. What was going through your mind 
during those tense 13 days. That was perhaps the closest the world has come to nuclear war, uh, Maryland. In those days, the weight of the world felt very heavy. My primary concern was to avoid a catastrophic conflict while uh, protecting American interests and allies. The outcome, thankfully, was a testament to the power of careful negotiation and the importance of communication between nations. Your host, Adam Idris, here. We'll be back with JFK and Marilyn Monroe in a moment. But first, I have a favor to ask. If you're enjoying this episode, please go ahead and hit that subscribe or follow button in your podcast app right now. And if your app allows it, we'd be absolutely delighted if you could leave us a glowing review. Your positive feedback helps the algorithms introduce this show to more curious and history-loving listeners just like you. Okay, back to the people you came here to listen to, Marilyn and JFK. Mr. President, some people may not know about your military service during World War II. There's a particular story of courage and resilience. Could you share with us the harrowing experience of what happened in August 1943 in the Solomon Islands? Of course, Marilyn. Um, it was in the black of night uh, on August 2nd, 1943 in the Solomon Islands. I was a lieutenant then commanding a patrol torpedo boat, PT-109. We were on the lookout for Japanese ships when suddenly, out of the darkness, a Japanese destroyer, the Amagiri, blindsided us, cutting PT-109 in two. The impact threw me back, injuring my back, which would trouble me for years to come. Two of my crewmen were killed in the collision. The rest of us, 11 in total, clung to the wreckage. By dawn, it was evident that we needed to move or risk being spotted by the enemy. We decided to swim to a small uninhabited island about three miles away. Uh, despite my injuries, I towed one of my badly burned crewmen through the water, gripping the life jacket strap with my teeth. Uh, it was a grueling five-hour swim. Once on the island, we faced the reality of our situation. Limited water, no food, and no immediate hope of rescue. Over the next few days, we moved to other islands, searching for food and fresh water, uh, always evading Japanese patrols. After several failed attempts to signal friendly aircraft, we were finally spotted by, by local islanders allied with the Americans. With their help, I carved a message into a coconut, which they delivered to an Australian coast watcher. And that led to your rescue? Yes. On August 8th, we were rescued. The coconut would later become a prized possession of mine, um, serving as a paperweight on my desk in the Oval Office. For my actions, I was awarded the Navy and Marine Corps Medal for heroism and the Purple Heart for my injuries. Um, but more than the accolades, it was a defining experience uh, that shaped my perspective on leadership and responsibility. Marilyn, I might change gears here if I may. In your remarkable career, you achieved so much. What would you consider your greatest achievement? Mr. President, while I had my share of successes on the silver screen, I believe my greatest achievement lies beyond the glitz of Hollywood. It was breaking the stereotypes of what a woman could be in the entertainment industry. I strove to be more than just a pretty face on the movie poster. Through roles in films like Gentlemen Prefer Blondes and The Seven Year Itch, 
I wanted to showcase not just the glamour, but also the wit and depth that women could bring to the screen. It was about challenging the norm, showing that a woman could be both a sex symbol and a person of substance. In our current times of division and confusion, do you think there is hope for the world? Mr. President, it's a question that touches the heart of our human experience. The world has always faced periods of division and turmoil. In my lifetime, I witnessed the fear of the Cold War, the struggle for civil rights, and the constant push for gender equality. These were not easy times, but they were also periods of great change and hope. What are your thoughts on the matter? I share your sentiment, Marilyn. Uh, history is replete with periods of strife, yet it is also a testament to our resilience and capacity for progress. During my presidency, we faced the threat of uh, nuclear war, deep-seated political divisions, uh, and the challenges of the civil rights movement. But in each of these, I saw not just the challenge, but also the opportunity, an opportunity to strive for a better world. Right now, when many people may feel a sense of despair or hopelessness, what words of encouragement or wisdom would you offer? Remember that every generation has faced its trials. In the darkest moments, it is the enduring spirit of hope and perseverance that has seen us through. The flame of hope, once ignited, can dispel the shadows of despair. And I would add, Marilyn, that in times of uncertainty and despair, the role of community and compassion becomes ever more crucial. Marilyn, in turn, I pose the same question to you. In the face of despair or hopelessness, what would be your message to those seeking comfort or guidance? I would say something I said during my life. Sometimes good things fall apart, so better things can fall together. Life is full of challenges and setbacks, but it's important to remember that each struggle is also a stepping stone towards growth and renewal. Marilyn, I have to take a moment here. Let's address the elephant in the room uh, with a bit of a wink, shall we? I think I know what you mean. Were we ever in love? Did we have an affair? Yeah, our paths crossed at some glittering points, uh, and the chemistry, well, yeah, it was the kind that could fuel a thousand headlines. But as for the heart of the matter, sometimes the fantasy of a story can be more alluring than the reality, don't you think? It's the mystery that makes it so enticing, isn't it? The what-ifs and maybes that keep the story alive in the public imagination. That's, that's the charm of it, Marilyn. In, uh, in the world of politics in Hollywood, where image and perception often mingle with reality, a little mystery goes a long way. It certainly does. And who are we to spoil the fun of speculation? After all, a little flirtation never hurt anyone, especially when it's wrapped in the glamour of Hollywood and the allure of the White House. It's like a dance where the steps are never quite known, but the rhythm is irresistible. Exactly, Mr. President. So, now let's leave a little something to the, um, it's the imagination, shall we? After all, some stories are best left as uh, captivating mysteries. Mr. President, I have to ask you a question that's lingered in the public's mind for decades, and I feel it's crucial. We address it head on. Did you, in any way, have anything to do with my death? Marilyn, this question, while unsettling, is not unexpected. 
the narrative surrounding your death has been filled with speculation and alleged links to me uh, and my administration. However, let me be clear, I had no involvement in your tragic passing. The circumstances of your death were a great shock and sorrow to many, myself included. As for my own words about your death, they were never publicly recorded or reported. Much of what is attributed to me comes from secondary sources and hearsay, which highlights the difficulty in discerning fact from fiction in historical narratives. Indeed, Mr. President, it seems that both of our lives and indeed our deaths have become a canvas for speculation and conspiracy theories. Would you be willing to share your perspective on the events surrounding your assassination? My assassination on uh, November 22, 1963 in Dallas was a moment that shocked and grieved not just America, um, but the world. The Warren Commission concluded that Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone. But over the years, numerous theories have emerged, suggesting different motives and conspiracies. The truth shrouded in mystery has been a topic of debate and speculation ever since. It's a profound reminder, Marilyn, of how public figures often become enmeshed in narratives beyond their control, especially in death. Our lives and legacies are sometimes overshadowed by the mystery and speculation surrounding our deaths. In both our cases, the truth seems to be a mosaic of fact and fiction, open to interpretation and reinterpretation through the years. It's a testament to the enduring fascination with our lives and the eras we represented. And while we can speculate endlessly, it's important to remember that our lives were more than just our tragic ends. They were about the impact we had, the ideals we championed, and the challenges we faced. Mr. President, throughout your career, you've said many things that have inspired millions. Could you share uh, some words of yours that you believe have been a source of inspiration in the intervening years? Certainly, Marilyn. One quote that comes to mind uh, from my inaugural address is, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. This call to action was meant to inspire a sense of civic duty and responsibility uh, to encourage every citizen to contribute to the betterment of our nation and the world. How about you, Marilyn? What's a quote of yours that people have found captivating over the years? I think one of my quotes that resonated with many is, imperfection is beauty, madness is genius, and it's better to be absolutely ridiculous than absolutely boring. It speaks to embracing one's uniqueness and finding strength in our individuality. That's a wonderful quote, Marilyn. It captures the essence of your spirit and the message of embracing who we are. It's a powerful reminder of the beauty in being ourselves, imperfections and all. Mr. President, as our conversation comes to a close, I'm reminded of one of your famous quotes change is the law of life, and those who look only to the past or present are certain to miss the future. It's quite fitting for us, don't you think? There are two figures from the past, brought to life in the present, looking towards the future through this AI-powered conversation. Very well put, Marilyn. And to borrow from your reservoir of wit, 
we are all of us stars and we deserve to twinkle. Even if our twinkle today is through the marvel of artificial intelligence, our conversation, uh, I hope, has illuminated some aspects of our lives and times. Absolutely, Mr. President. today's journey through history has been as intriguing for you as it has been for us. If you enjoyed this episode, and I'm assuming you have because you're still listening, please subscribe or follow in your podcast app. Please consider leaving us a glowing five-star review. It helps the algorithm get this show in front of more human eyes. You can even use the comment or review section to suggest some guests for upcoming episodes of Choose Your Own AI Venture. I look forward to sharing our next conversation across time with you.